0: From time to time um, we connect in with our overseas missionaries or our local missionaries um, just to remind us who they are and that, and, and that they are a part of our church family and, and we do that within, the, within the, the services on a Sunday morning by having them do some of the readings for us. Um, so this morning on a video we have Colin Jenkins uh, who will be bringing us today's reading. Um, it comes from uh, uh, sorry, John chapter 4. Uh, verses one to twenty-six. If you're following in the pew bibles, you'll find it on page ten sixty-six. Okay, just the English are all over the place today. Um, <laughs> they won that one, though, didn't they? <laughs> um, so, John, John chapter four. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> John chapter four, verses one to twenty-six, page one thousand and sixty-six.
1: Good morning, everyone. Uh, it's wonderful to be with you, um, although it's just through the, the screen and the video. I'll, I'll be back down in Cork um, uh, tomorrow from when you're hearing this. As most of you may know, I'm the missionary um, from High Kirk um, and our ministry, our charity is called Seafarers Christian Friends Society. And this morning's reading is um, from John chapter 4. Jesus Talks with a Samaritan Woman, and it's uh, on page 1066 in the Pew Bibles. Let's hear God's Word. John 4. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Amen. And we end our reading at verse 26 and know that God will add his blessing to the reading of his word.
0: Shall we pray? God, we thank you for your word that has been given to us. We pray your blessing upon it as we think about it, as we think about some of those words that Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman. God, we thank you for Colin, for the work that he is doing. We thank you for the work of all our missionaries, whether that is here on this island or further afield. And we pray that you will bless them in the work that they're doing we pray that, that it will bear fruit It is already bearing fruit uh, and we thank you for that and now God bless us as we think about your word draw us close to you and help us to grow deeper not just in our relationship with you but in our love for you we pray this all in the name of Jesus amen I got that wrong didn't I 1066 the locals lost didn't they the Normans came over and conquered. Yeah, so sorry, sorry about that, Mike. I really, I'm sorry, Mike, to keep harping on about this. <laughs> so this is a, this is a well-known story, um, certainly a well-preached story, about the time that Jesus comes along to a well in Samaria and meets with a woman there uh, and, and has a conversation with her, talks to her about all sorts of stuff. I'm sure we've all heard the information about the setting, that the Jews and the Samaritans uh, didn't get along, they, they were enemies, um, that the Jews saw the Samaritans as inferior because they were a mixed race of, of Jew and other tribes dating back to the times when, when the Israelites came and settled in the Promised Land. We probably know that the idea of a man and a woman who were not married talking in a public place was frowned upon, and we're also probably aware of the significance of the woman coming at midday to fetch water rather than earlier in the morning with the other women from the village so that she could avoid them Uh, and their snide remarks, suggesting that there was something about her character, or maybe suggesting that there was something about her character or reputation that was questionable. On Wednesday mornings in Bible Focus, we're looking at the first three chapters of Genesis. And one of the things that we recognized is it's important that we understand that our Bibles are translations of ancient texts uh, from ancient civilizations and ancient cultures. And there's a danger that if we read things from our 21st century perspective, um, that we could misread what God is saying to us. And for that reason, it's important that we take into context um, the, 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 the culture and, and the society that the writers were living in and, and the first readers. Um, we need to take that into account because it's written into their culture and it's written into their time. And it's when we do that that God's word becomes a living word to us because then we can understand why these stories and sometimes even these specific words are in our Bibles, and then we can know how to apply them correctly into our context. What we're also discovering uh, on, on a Wednesday morning is that stumbling blocks um, are important in, in our Bible. And what, what I mean by stumbling blocks, I mean when we're reading a passage of Scripture and we suddenly come across something that makes us stop and wonder what's going on there. Uh, it makes us wonder: um, is there a contradiction? Is this is the Bible contradicting itself to something that we've read somewhere else? Um, or maybe it just reminds us of something that we've read somewhere else, or maybe we just stop and wonder, what on earth is that doing in, in the Bible? What's that doing in the middle of the story? And verse 16 to 18 are one of those stumbling blocks. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. What does Jesus feel? It's necessary. To take the conversation down that route. Before that, he's talking about the water from the well and comparing it to the water that he can give her. And after that, he's talking about the difference between the way that the Jews worship and the way that the Samaritans worship. Is it simply there so that the woman can draw this conclusion about Jesus being a prophet, that Jesus knows her secrets? Well, it can't be that because Jesus isn't a prophet. So, so, that couldn't be why Jesus um, it, it went down that route. That couldn't have been his intention. Could it be to reiterate the taboo that has been broken here that this is a woman who has had five husbands, a woman of questionable character, and so now we're starting to understand why she comes on her own to get water because the other woman wants nothing to do with her, and now yes, she is talking to a man? Could it be that? Well, if this was in our own time and our own context, then it certainly could be, but it's not. It's a different time, it's a different context. And there's a danger of us slipping into victim blaming when we do that. What we need to remember is that the events of the Bible happened in a patriarchal context. A society where men had a lot of power and women had very little power. Her track record of being married five times wasn't a personal choice on her part. She probably had very little choice in it at all. It certainly wasn't her jumping from marriage to marriage in the hope of finding acceptance and love in the arms of a man. This was a woman who had been passed on from husband to husband for any number of reasons. She might have been widowed. She might have been unable to have children. She might have been divorced because her husband found something indecent or unacceptable about her. And that's a quote from the law given to Moses. But it's a law designed to protect the sacredness and faithfulness of a marriage relationship, but sadly abused by men over the centuries to rid themselves of their wife for the smallest of reasons. And the need she feels to avoid the other women of the town by coming to get water at midday is more of a reflection of their character and not of her own. Just as our love of gossip says more about us than it does about the person we're gossiping about. Their words, their actions had the power to bring shame and rejection on her. Rather than blame her for her situation, we need to see her as a victim of a world that has failed her, that determines her value or lack of it based on who she is as a woman and what she is able to do or not able to do. This is the woman that Jesus encounters at the well. This is who he takes the time to speak to, to reveal to her who he is, even if it means that he has to break the rules of the day to do that. And how significant it is that he does this at a well. As we sit here in High Kirk today, 140 million miles away, there is a mechanical rover the size of a car driving around Mars, looking for signs of life, past or present. And the place that they're looking is where the surface structure suggests that once there was water. And they're looking at those places because water means life. And that is why the woman has come to the well each and every day. Because to live, she needs water. To drink, to cook, to maintain her own personal cleanliness and hygiene. But it's not enough. She needs to keep coming back again and again and again. She drinks, she gets thirsty again. She eats, she gets hungry again. She washes herself, she gets dirty again. And it's in that place where Jesus meets her, needing to quench her thirst, needing to feed her hunger, needing to be washed clean. And Jesus sees her in her desperation, in her tiredness of her life, following the same cycle over and over and over again, like an endless loop of suffering and abuse, always thirsting, but never being satisfied. And when he speaks to her, she knows, she understands that here is a man who understands her life. Who understands her struggles. Who knows everything that she has ever done. Jesus looks at her and he sees her and he connects with her. The hand that life has dealt you has not brought you what you need. Every day you return here to this well to get more water because what you got yesterday won't last and every time you come here alone, in the midday heat, you are reminded of all that has happened, of where your life has brought you, of the shame that people have heaped on you, shame that you don't deserve, but you carry with it anyway. You come here to fetch water, to find the source of life alone. Because as a woman in this time, in this place, even the one security that the world can offer you, the security of a husband, the world has failed you even on that. And even her current relationship points to a failure of the world to be able to provide her with what she needs. Her current relationship is with a man who is not her husband. Marriage is a gift from God. It is designed as a place where a man and a woman can live in a loving, faithful, and committed relationship with God, there as that, that third binding strand in their relationship. But that is not the woman's experience, neither past nor present. Her current relationship sits in contrast to what God desires for her. And it's in contrast of the relationship that Jesus invites her into. A relationship with the Messiah. A relationship with the Son of God. He invites her into a relationship that will not need her coming back again and again and again for more. But will fulfill her and sustain her. And give her dignity and respect and an identity in the way that the relationships of this world never could. I wonder how many of us here today feel like no matter how hard we try, no matter what we do, no matter how good we feel because of what we've done, we feel that tomorrow, tomorrow we've got to start from scratch all over again. It might be about pleasing a partner in a relationship, it might be about keeping your boss happy, it might be the pressure of maintaining a high grade every time you write a test. Or getting a 1,000 likes for a TikTok video and now there's pressure to do it all over again with your next video. Or even how you see your relationship with God. Gotta keep pleasing Him. Can't mess up. I need to keep putting myself out there whenever something needs doing for God. Hitting the heights today and knowing it'll only last for a few weeks, a few days, maybe even just a few hours. That is the life experience of this woman at the well. And perhaps it is your life experience today. But to her and to you, Jesus is saying that there is an alternative. If water is the source of life for all creation, Jesus is the source of life for all eternity. The relationships of this world are hard work. Some of them are worth it, like marriage and family and friendships. But some of them are draining. Some of them are toxic because they make you feel shame and they make you feel failure. And you know, you know which ones those are in your life. And in all of them, we're one mistake away from needing to put the hard work in all over again. But a relationship with Jesus is different. It isn't hard work. In Matthew 11, verse 30, Jesus uses a metaphor of being yoked with him, like when two cattle are yoked together so they can work together. And he says that when we come into a relationship with him, it isn't a hard and demanding relationship. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And a relationship with him isn't unfulfilling. That's what he says to the woman here at the well. Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring in them, giving them eternal life. I believe that if this is the message that God has laid on my heart today, then that means that there are people here today or or watching online that are needing to hear this. It might be because you are exhausted, exhausted from looking for satisfaction, exhausted from looking for acceptance from other people in the world, and you might feel like you just can't do it anymore. Or for some reason you have a distorted view of your relationship with God where you feel that you need to prove yourself over and over and over again to Him. It might be a hangover from your worldly relationships where, where others demand that you keep in their good books and you have to prove yourself over and over to them. It might be that you've had some bad teaching about God. I had a teacher at school, Mr. Sneyman, fantastic man, my favorite teacher, but he used to stand in the corridor at the end of break and he used to have his cane in one hand um, and he used to stand there and he used to tap it with his other hand, and you came back from break time and you walked down the corridor and every schoolboy is just so nervous, so worried that Mr. Sleeman's gonna see us do something wrong, we, heads down, don't talk, let's really hope that our hair's not touching our collar, something, um, anything, please don't let him spot anything that we're doing wrong, putting fear into all of us. Maybe that's an image that you have of God. God is watching you, waiting, waiting to catch you doing something wrong. And every time you do, you think that you need to start from scratch to prove yourself good enough to him. Jesus knows everything that this woman has ever done. Everything that this woman has done. Whether that was things done to her or whether that was things that she has done herself. And yet he still invites her to drink from living water. He still wants her to enjoy the eternal life that he has to offer. That he wants to spend with her. And he wants to remind you of that today. And he invites you to drink of that water too. Jesus knows everything that you have ever done. Still he loves you. He knows everything that I have ever done. And still he loves me. Not because of the things I've done, but in spite of the things I've done. He knows everything this woman has ever done and he loves her in spite of the things he's done because God is love that's his first point of call when he looks at each and one of us each and every one of us and when he looks at the things that we've done wrong he says let me forgive you because i love you so that you can come into this relationship with me so you can drink from this living water wherever you are in your relationship with God today whether it is in a long-term relationship or you have not yet made that decision Jesus is reminding you that he loves you. That in this world you will need to prove yourself over and over again to others, but to him you don't. To him it is water bubbling under to give life and life eternal. He loves you, he accepts you, he receives you for who you are. He wants to be your father, he wants to be your Lord, he wants to be your Savior. And he wants to be the one who will sustain you through all things. That is what God is saying to the woman at the well and she responds. My hope and my prayer today is that you hear God saying the same thing to you. In whatever position you are, whatever it is that you're dealing with, struggling with, trying to make sense of. My hope and my prayer is that you will respond to God in the same way. In the right way, in the appropriate way that your situation demands. You don't need to prove yourself over and over to him. God loves you. God accepts you. God receives you. And we are so thankful for that because, boy, it's exhausting enough trying to keep people happy. Imagine how exhausting it would be to keep God, try to keep God happy. We are so thankful for a God who loves us just the way we are. Let us pray. we thank you God for your love for us we thank you God that you give us life a life that is eternal and what you give us to receive that life we don't need to keep coming back for we don't need to keep trying over and over again to show you that we're worthy of what you've given us if we believe in our hearts and we confess with our lips that Jesus Christ is Lord we will be saved We don't have to do it once a year. We don't have to do it every 10 years. It's not a renewing of vows. If we believe in our hearts and confess with our lips that Jesus Christ is Lord, we will be saved. That is your promise and we are so thankful for that. And so God, I pray that this morning, this morning if we've come here and we've been struggling with things, God, that you will release us of these things. It might be circumstances of life. It might be a wrong belief about who you are and what we need to do in our relationship with you. And so God, set us free today. Set us free from the chains that the world has placed upon us and set us free from the chains that we have placed upon ourselves so that we can live and flourish as your children. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.